This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm coming to you from the pub. I'm coming to you from the Globe. It's a a warm Thursday night actually and I'm sitting here watching the football with my chums. It's the Burnley game, they play in Aston Villa and this Aston Villa game that we're watching is a massive game because it's got a big impact on the game on Sunday when Leeds come to New Griffin Park to check out the Bees. And uh, that game, depending on how the result goes, we can actually have a big impact on who goes down and who stays up from the Premier League and my name as I said is Billy Grant I'm sitting here in the Globe I've had a few swift halves at the moment now I'm sitting here with my mate Laney Laney how are you yeah I'm good Bill yeah so we've uh, we've come down the pub which is exactly where we'll be on Sunday afternoon it's uh, it's incredible to think that we've only got one more Premier League game to go you know it's a season that we we look forward to so much and it's been it's at its highs and its lows and we'll I guess we'll talk about all of the season you know in the post-match podcast the you know the, the end of season podcast but you know when 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 the, the fixtures came out we kind of looked at this fixture with Leeds at the last game of the season and I think we all kind of thought or I kind of thought there might be something riding on it but I didn't expect it to be the way it is at the moment I, I expected us to kind of need something out of it as well and it's just it's lovely just to not actually have any Brentford jeopardy on this and uh, you know it's, it's, a, it's a massive game and I look forward to it and I, I'm really looking forward to signing out the season in style Excellent signing out the season in style is the lady man also I've got the Dutchman in the house now you might get confused because it's not like we've had loads of international bees on various podcasts over the last few weeks and he's not any of the international bees at all he's the original Dutchman Dutchman. that's right and he gets really pissed off when he hears these international bees coming on I mean you know coming over from Holland and all sorts of different parts of Holland and he's like going they're not they're not the real Dutchman I'm the real Dutchman the real Dutchman how are you doing? Very well, Billy. Forget those fake bees, fake overseas, <laughs> fake international call-ups. There was no, no international call-ups when I started supporting Brentford, I think, other than maybe a guy who played for New Zealand once um, back in the 70s. I'm very well, very well, um, as with yourselves, looking forward to Sunday. Staggered, really, that, that 
the only thing interesting for us is how high we can finish watching games tonight everyone else is worried about the relegation I'm looking at how high we can finish um, I've got the Thomas Frank positive head on um, looking at whether we can come top 10 uh, and it's going to be a very lively fun game on Sunday very very lively so listen we'll have a little bit of a recap we'll have a little have a look around what's been going on the last week or so um, we're going to talk about the Everton game a little bit later but um, the Everton game there's a lot of positives you know 2-1 down at half time 3-2 up at full time and we thought great result had a great weekend up there uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later no doubt as well but there was a bit of a dark side to that Everton game because unfortunately there was two Brentford players Ivan Tony and also Rico Henry their families got racially abused by a section of, of, of Everton fans and Ivan Tony and Rico Henry both tweeted out there and said listen we're going to find you and we're going to make sure that you get the most punishment that you can ever get but it did give a little bit of a dark side on uh, on that whole you know on that whole day out which was a well, weekend out which is a wicked weekend out but what I will say is that listen what you have to remember that you know football fans out there and there's uh, you know a million football fans out there who are properly positive and for me, what I've always said is, I said, to look, what you need is more and more people calling it out. The more people that call it out actually makes the people that are doing it think, hold on a second, I'm not going to do this anymore. And to be fair, like our friends at Everton, and I wasn't expecting it, I got a phone call from them uh, a couple of days afterwards. And they said, look, Bill, we're absolutely gutted about this because this actually tarnishes our club name. Listen, back in the day, people might have known Everton for certain things. And there was a bit of a, a racism element going on about Everton in the 90s, which a lot of people don't know about. They never... They never signed a black player until Amakachi, I think it was, joined them in the mid-90s. Okay, But before that, they were well-known for being, at inverted commas, a white team. right? But they've said that they kind of slowly got rid of that thing. And if you know anything about Liverpool, it's very community. They actually get involved in lots of things like the food banks and everything like that, which is all good. And he turned around and said, listen, I'm so embarrassed. Listen, if you can manage to get a couple of uh, bouquets to the players I'll be very very happy and so to be honest they've sent up a couple of bouquets handwritten letters as well to the players to say how embarrassed and how they are and I want to play respects to Brentford so I think that's a nice touch because they didn't have to do that did they? No they didn't they didn't have to do that you know whether whether or not it, it, it makes it all right um, is still questionable because um, you know the families would have been really, really upset and traumatised and intimidated and scared and and and, and it, it would have ruined or, or gone a long way to ruin their day out. However, um, you know it, it is right to try and make amends, and the people that unfortunately the people that are making amends are the ones that don't need to. The ones that need to make amends probably will never change. However. You know, it is, they, they showed the manners, and uh, you know, I take my hat off to the to the Everton fans that are, are trying to, um, you know, uphold the good name of their football club and and their supporters. Because you know, let's be honest, we 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 met hundreds of Everton fans in the pub before the game, and to a man and to a woman, to a child, they were all really sound and like knowledgeable and uh, humble. And again, manners is is the word. We had a really good time. Um, you know, walking to the grounds. Uh, I'm glad I escaped that because it looked like a war zone. You know, there was like I walked walk through probably 200 200 foot of broken bottles and uh, and and blue gas canisters. It, it looked it looked like a war zone. Um, and I'm not. I'm, and you know, with the scenes of the night before. Um, of, of the fireworks going off outside the players' rooms, you have to question the kind of whipping the fan base up into a frenzy 
because it might actually contribute to what actually happens because you're creating an environment where you're, you're saying you're saying to that you're saying to the you're saying to the supporters like do your worst um, and some some of them don't know where the trigger point is on their worst and their worst is really quite bad but you know in, in, in sowing the seeds of that keep, keep you know having fans staying up to half past three in the morning to set a crescendo of fireworks outside a hotel in the city centre. The team hotel, that is. The team hotel. That's, pre- that's pretty. Sh- it's a pretty shit thing to do, and then getting thousands of people to smash smash stuff on the side of the you know the away team coach as it approaches the stadium. That's a pretty shit thing to do as well, and then you know smashing hundreds and hundreds of bottles on the floor. Um, and and ruining, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into Womble blooming litter bug, but it, it, it was. I mean, who clears that shit up? So, um, and a few Brentford fans got, you know, they're, they're intimidated as well as they came in in their, in their red and white stripes as well. From what I'd heard, and again, we're just reporting yeah. what happened. It's, it's, it's just like once you've once you've set the tone of like get out there and intimidate the hell out of everyone. You are going to get people that don't know where to draw the line, and unfortunately, people haven't known where. And you know, so fair play to people to try and make up for it, but you know, it's not really their job. The difference is, as you say, Billy, is it's it's no longer acceptable for people just to say it's a small minority, as if that excuses it. Um, and that's that's the most promising thing for me. Even if it is a small minority, that still has to stop as well. So fair play 100% I don't think you named who those bouquets were from unless I missed it which you might want to it's from the Blue Union which is uh, one of the main Everton fan groups as well and a lovely bloke as well Dave Kelly yeah so they deserve respect for doing that but they just they, they try to uh, recreate the welcome to hell Galatasaray type welcome um, I miss most of that um, and even like the hotels normally half past three in the morning you guys aren't normally back from your night out by then so it wouldn't have woken you up um, <laughs> But it backfired, you know, the, the, the pressure was there, wasn't it? The pressure was on, the pressure's on them tonight again, uh, and it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? And they, they showed a lot of passion at the start, and the noise was, um, as all the fans and Frank said after, you know, after the game, was a, a very impressive sound. But, you know, like a lot of these teams, they weren't really at it at the end when they when the team really needed them. Um, you know, it went horribly quiet at the end, and the, and the Bees fans took over, so a lot of respect to it, how our own fans behaved and supported the team uh, last Sunday. And, I mean, talking about racism, I mean, Ivan Tony this week has actually been going around the schools on a No Room for Racism uh, initiative. And he's been talking to school kids about, basically, about racism. He's, he was on Sky, he was talking about the incidents and everything like that. And he's been raising this issue, saying, listen, it's out of order. So fair play to Ivan, because, uh, you know, like I said to you, he's, he's a man of, of principle, as you know. And uh, he's decided to actually kind of have his say, which is, uh, I think, which is very... Very good indeed as well. Uh, talking about diversity, talking about things that have happened this week, a very, very, very important thing has happened this week where we have had Jake Daniels, the Blackpool player. He's decided to come out and he's the first um, gay player to come out or gay player who's been playing in football who's come out since um, John Fashionu. Um, Justin Fashionu, apologies, not John Fashionu, because John Fashionu wasn't very supportive of his brother at all, but Justin Fashionu, who uh, came out what, 30 years ago, and I remember because Justin Fashionu played against us. I mean, he, he played for Norwich, but I think he played against us for, was it Torquay? I think it was, uh, one of the teams, I can't remember exactly what team it was, but anyway, yeah, I think it was Torquay that Justin Fashionu came played against us, and he did get a lot of abuse, even when he played the Bees that time, and I remember bumping into him in a, in a, in a bar in, in, in Edinburgh when he was playing for, I think it was Hibs at the time. 
Oh, he was playing for Airdrie as well. No, no, he's playing for Hibs, I think, at the time. He's playing for Hibs and uh, having a chat with him. And, you know, he just went aside. And I, 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 he was quite, you know, he's quite angry. And I think he felt basically that he had no support at all. And he, you could see that he was still harbouring those feelings. And uh, he obviously didn't have anywhere where he had any outlet or he felt that he had any support for himself whatsoever. And so when you chatted to him, you could just see the anger just sort of kind of seeping out of him and it must have been very very difficult for him and a lot of people who didn't know about Justin Fashion who he ended up hanging himself um, um, which is very very sad a couple of years ago because obviously like I said to you he had to deal with this issue on his own but anyway coming back to Jake Daniels brave man young man Blackpool player just got a contract for Blackpool as well and he just said listen I just had to just do it man and I had to just do it for myself and I had to do it for everyone else and to be honest you, I just didn't want to hide anymore and I said fair play to you so there's been a lot of news on it and there's been some people saying, oh, God, why are they going on about this? You know, is it really a story? It is a big story. And I understand how big a story it is because when, when, when you need to have to not be yourself and hide yourself away and just pretend, then it's not right for yourself. So he can actually be himself now, which is all good. And hopefully he's going to be, well, I say hopefully, he is definitely an icon for other people to come out and say, listen, if he can do it, I can do it because I've got somebody there that I can actually respect who is up there at the highest level. Okay, it's Blackpool, but he's still playing professional football at the highest level, who has basically said, listen, I don't care, so follow me. So fair play to you, Jake Daniels. Yeah, for, I mean, fo- football needs to reflect society, and, you know, um, I, I, I take my hat off to the guy. Um, he's, he's incredibly brave. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, he's, he's probably going to get grief, but I think he's probably going to get unanimous support, and I think that's what's happening at the moment. So yeah, I, I think the, the more players that kind of are given the uh, the space to kind of be themselves, as you put it, Bill, and that's right, um, the better. It, it, it shouldn't be a big thing. It is a big thing. It shouldn't be, and hopefully we'll we'll progress where it, it, it isn't anymore. So yeah, we're, we're taking a taking a big step forward. I think. And what also I'm going to come back to the Dutchman in a minute is that for the people that keep saying, why do you keep banging on about this and blah blah and all this kind of stuff that they say they get really annoyed because they don't think it should be an issue. What I'll say to you is that I'm going to be honest with you. I wish racism wasn't an issue. I wish homophobia wasn't an issue, but unfortunately people in society make it an issue. And unfortunately we have to keep banging on about it until actually it kind of stops. So at the end of the day, maybe be a little bit more supportive and try and get rid of it, then we can't bang on about it anymore is what I'm going to say. Let's move on to Dutchman. Yeah, I'm just going to add clearly um, Jake Daniels isn't the only gay player playing football at the moment, is he? He's, he's the one who's, that's come out first and you hope that leads the way. Um, and, and the reason you, you bang on about it and shine the light is exactly for that, for that reason to to keep making sure that you know football is representative of society as a whole. And he may get abused. I'm not quite sure how much abuse he'll get. To be honest with you, um, I, I think the majority will be supportive. I think that the change is coming. Where, as I said, yeah, with the with the racist stuff on, on Ivan and Rico, that um, I, I don't think the majority of people now are comfortable that it's just a small minority. They are trying to work towards. You know, eradicated completely. So hopefully, um, the lad coming out is another step towards that sort of equality that that shouldn't be an issue. And good luck to the guy. Indeed, indeed. So listen, Player of the Year awards. Uh, I didn't know anything about this. All of a sudden, boom! It's popped up, and everyone's going, "Oh, Player of the Year's awards!" And the Player of the Year awards was held last night. It was held, I believe, well, it's online, 
and also I think there was probably a sort of kind of small invited contingent that was invited down there. I mean, it reminded me that me and Laney had paid for Player of the Year's award a couple of years ago. We haven't got our money back yet, so uh, I'll make a quick phone call to the club to get our money back for that one, which never happened, or we never got invited this one. But anyway, but um, Player of the Year awards, uh, Laney, I think you you, you you were sitting there, you were glued because you got all the results there. You were very happy with that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was glued to it all night. Yeah, I like, really was, yeah. Um, no, I, I think, uh, you know, um, Christian Norgard getting the player's player and supporter's player of the year. Um, I, 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 I didn't, you know, not... I still use the word fear. I didn't fear, but I, th- I thought it may go to kind of like a populist decision where, you know, where, you know, um, Ericsson was going to win everything just because the press can't, can't stop talking about him. But um, Christian Norgard has just been world class I think this year for Brentford um, I'm, I'm glad he's ours I'm so delighted he's ours I'm so delighted we made another season this division so you know he doesn't he doesn't need to go anywhere else to, to, to show you know his, his full uh, array of talents you know his interceptions his, 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 his critical passes his goals he's, he's been at the heart of everything positive and Brentford brilliant this year and um, you know, for him to, to get both awards, I think is richly deserved, and you know he should be proud of himself. First time he's gone missing this season, though, wasn't it? On Thursday night, didn't even show up for the awards. Oh, loyal. <laughs> loyal, poor old Pontus had to come up with his very unusual choice of T-shirt um, to get the awards on his behalf, which was just like the worst TV ceremony when the the main star isn't there. Um, it was an interesting ceremony. I thought, I thought it was a really good concept. Yeah, you know, it was nice to be able to sort of watch it from afar. Um, having been at one or two of them with you guys over the years but you have to say it wasn't brilliantly put together um, it was a little bit lacking in quality from the, 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 the video clips and the you know the, the time and the lagging that everyone had problems with so yeah, a, a nice idea not greatly executed maybe they should give the besotted boys a call next time to help them out any more because I, I, I was out I was I think I was coaching or something like that then I, but and any other anything else that he, uh, that, that you remember that won anything Dutch certainly Nathan Young Coombs or Miles Pat Harris as some people call him uh, won, <laughs> won the award for the best B team player for his 463 goals that he scored um, which, in one game that is <laughs> in one game um, which was nice to see I mean he, he was put in the position of making a speech which he didn't seem the most comfortable with and you realise how young some of these kids are when they stand up there um, but he's obviously had a cracking season they showed a few of his goals I think the, the, the video made it hard to see whether it was actually him or, or Miles Pert Harris actually <laughs> <laughs> which didn't help but you know he, he's, a, he's a promising lad it was obviously great for him he talked about his uh, excitement of getting on for his debut against Southampton last week you know and what that meant to him uh, and his family and you know fantastic for the B team to see yet another player come through and I think join Finn Stevens this year in the, the list of B team players to have joined the role of honour um, so yeah another, another success story I, sh- I assume the cringe-worthily hottie of the year award doesn't happen anymore. No, I don't think that one happened at all. But there were um, awards for the women's teams as well. Uh, other than that, as well for me, because uh, I had a great weekend as well. I had three matches that I watched at the weekend. It was uh, first of all my daughter, as you know, had a cup final, and she won the Capital Girls League, uh, League Cup final on a Saturday morning. And then we went and watched the FA Cup final on a Saturday afternoon in Liverpool, which is great fun. And then we saw us beat Everton on Sunday, so that was a triple win for the bees as far as I was concerned which is all good but listen we're going to take a a little break we're going to go off to the bar we're going to have a beer and they're going to come back and we're going to talk about that Everton match (laughs) 
So, Everton at the weekend. Brilliant weekend. Great weekend. I love going to Liverpool. And uh, well, I can't talk, talk anymore about Liverpool because what I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to go to the fans who are in the stadium after the game. Let's hear what they had to say, both the Brentford fans and the Everton fans in the stadium, in the streets. I was even abducted near the station as well. Let's see what they have to say about that match. It was, it was, uh, it was a bit nail biting there for a bit because uh, we were down by down by one, and then uh, we, we were able to tie it up, and then we got down again. But I always thought that we were going to come back. I always thought it was going to come back, and it's just a great atmosphere, great fans, great match. We deserve it, and. We're staying in the Premier League, mate. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Three points in the bag. Ericsson, brilliant game. Jensen, brilliant game. Rico, brilliant game. And at the end of the day, brilliant time to be a Brentwood fan. Uh, amazing, amazing. I mean, imagine if that had mattered. Imagine if we'd had to win that, get a point to stay up. It was exhausting as it was, but we were brilliant. We're the better team and we deserve to win. The best atmosphere I've seen all season. Uh, amazing atmosphere here. And I think they'll stay up and they'll be fine. But uh, they got to, They've got to keep temper. But but we've got to keep uh, an eye out for the giving away those free kicks. I mean, we gave away a free kick for the first goal and then the penalty. That's something we've got to approve on. But apart from that, pretty much perfect performance. As the game went on, I didn't want to lose the game. And we, we played really well, apart from some really soft goals. I think the, the occasion got to us a bit when the atmosphere was on top. The crowd got quiet, a bit nervous. And I just, second half, was just to be patient and wait for the goals to come. Send Leeds down next week. What more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> amazing atmosphere, really. Amazing ground. Uh, and I hope they stay up, but they, they lost their heads. Frank made the change that was needed at half-time. Mads Beck coming off. I thought he was poor in the first half. Uh, and we did what needed to be done. Yeah. They came out all guns blazing. But when the decisions went our way with the sending off, we started getting control of the game. Not only in terms of a numerical advantage, but in terms of the players saying, yes, we're going to go on and win this we're not going to faff around and look forward to our summer holidays we don't want 46 points we want 49 and that's the tone that's set from the top and from Thomas Frank and that's what I was delighted with the reality is like with Ericsson and uh, the rest of the boys it's just been it's been unreal isn't it? it's been unreal but, you know a brilliant game Everton uh, needed a result which they didn't get um, they played really well I thought for the first 15-20 minutes atmosphere was great best probably home support I've experienced this season we gradually got better and better and better. Tactical masterclass, I thought, by Frank. And we're enjoying this final third. Um, I think the higher we finish, the more money we get for a small club like us. That's very important. And we have, who have we got next week? Oh, Leeds. The atmosphere um, at Everton was incredible. And I think as soon as, that, that, you know, as soon as they got that goal, they were all over it. But it, I don't know, the way we were playing, it was never in doubt that we had control of the game. Um, I, I think, you know, Sonson had, I would have taken him off earlier. He had a bit of a shocker. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, and I, I mean, maybe somebody else will explain it, but I don't know how he actually stayed on the pitch after getting that penalty. But overall, I thought we looked in total control. And the second, the second half, we just bossed it, to be fair. An incredible end of the season, incredible celebration of what we've achieved and the fact that, you know, we're going to be seeing these, these, you know, these teams again. But, yeah, watch out, watch out, Leeds, we're coming for you. So there we go, the fans afterwards in the streets talking about the Everton Brentford game and it was a mad game as well like I said 2-1 down at half time 3-2 up at full time and uh, it's one of those ones I'm just just thinking back to it I mean the atmosphere first of all I'm going to have to go on about the atmosphere in that stadium I think a few people mentioned it 
you know, after the match and those clips that you can hear, the atmosphere at Everton Stadium, I have to admit, because when they came down to New Griffin Park, they were terrible. They made no noise. They were miserable. They were just having to go at their team. They were definitely the worst fans that come down here this season, I'd say. However, up at Everton, from what I can gather, all of a sudden they've decided we need to get behind our team. And the noise that they made when they were like doing the singing from one end to the other, it reminded me when I went to PSG back in the day before the money took over at PSG, when you had the Otiel end and the Bologna boys end as well. And at PSG, it was wicked, one end to the other, singing to each other. And they were doing the same thing at Everton. And I haven't seen that too much in a UK football stadium, in a British football stadium at all. So I was like, tip me at to the Everton fans. And like I said, Dutchman said it earlier, they, for the first 15 minutes, they were loud and then... And then it just went. Um, but Everton, what a great weekend, Laney, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I have to say it, it was a it was a pleasure to just see the stadium. I mean, I've talked about what happened outside before, but we move on to inside the stadium. I thought the noise levels were exceptional. I've, I've not come across that all season. There's been moments where there's been roars away games, you know. Um, Newcastle was quite loud when the teams come out, whatever, but then it went quiet. But I thought Everton, in terms of like decibels, was was the highest. Um, Which is strange because they they're all sitting down when they're singing as well. Yeah, I didn't notice whether they were standing up or sitting down. If I'm honest with you, but I, I just the, the noise the noise was just really loud. Um, and the, the, obviously, because we've just moved out of Griffin Park and we've you know, we, we're used to an old stadium um, to, to, to sort of just to kind of sneer at old old traditional stadiums when you know when you've seen the shiny new ones. It's I, I, I'm not into that, and I, I think you've got to tip your hat to uh, to, to Goodison Park. It was it's a, it's, a, it's a stunning place. Um, it's, it's, it's like it reminded me of Fenway, which was like you know um, where the Red Sox play in Boston. It was just like a, a really high stadium. That third tier on the on the stand opposite us was it, it, it didn't look like it was possible to build a third tier on there. And uh, it, I don't know whether they need oxygen to get up that high, but it, it was a uh, it was an incredible uh, um, place. And they'll they'll miss that when they when they move to their their new stadium because you know we we've seen tonight Everton have come back to win three two from being behind against Crystal Palace. Scenes on the pitch were just ridiculous, you know. Um, it was like 30,000 fans on that Goodison Park pitch tonight. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the atmosphere. Yeah, same. Good, good to see a ground, one I've never been to before. Nice to see some old original stands there. Um, you can see probably that it that it's getting a bit dated in terms of the facilities, but uh, in terms of the atmosphere, it was good. I don't know whether it's always like that. You know, I know they've been, they've been whipped up in recent times. So, I don't From what I've been told, again, I, I know some Everton chums. They stayed with them for the Liverpool match as well. And they said to me, it's really quiet at Everton, they've been saying. They make no noise whatsoever. And even when we played them in the cup, even though they beat us 4-1, I thought the atmosphere was, was completely different to that. It was quite muted. And that's kind of how it's been for a while. Cool. I mean, the reason they're all sitting down was because they'd all been up at half three in the morning letting off fireworks, of course. So, you know, probably need a little bit of a rest. But, 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 but you know, it was good. And we, we enjoy that. You know, it's, it's not like you, you want to go there and see the other teams quiet. It's nice to out see them and, and make them quiet. But sometimes as a football fan, you just enjoy being part of that that atmosphere, particularly when, you know, we're competing at the level we are and, you know, and beating hashtag teams like Everton. Um, hashtag teams with more money than us uh, and, and it's great I, I really enjoyed the trip it was nice to see the ground definitely wanted to go there before it was 
knocked down, I assume, when they move. Uh, it's always nice, you know, I don't think the Liverpool way walking across Stanley Park and seeing the two grounds and, you know, in the same eye shot almost, in the same vision is still quite special when you realise just how close they are and also what a divide there is between Liverpool and Everton. I, I wasn't quite so conscious of that, you know, being in a pub one side of the park where no Liverpool fans will go near and then the other one where no Everton fans will go near. It's quite a, uh, a distinct line, which is an outsider um, I perhaps haven't fully appreciated. But uh, yeah, what, 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 a, what a good trip, what a great result. Uh, and what an amazing feeling to come back in the car afterwards with three points from Everton. And uh, I mean, I'm going to say that this game was very much defined by um, long-haired Frank out-tacticking X-Frank Frank in <laughs> this one as well. So Frank Lampard, who, again, for people who may have joined us sort of fairly recently, used to be called Fat Frank back in the day. Um, uh, it's funny because my wife goes to me she goes why do you call him Fat Frank he's not even fat and I said yes he is she goes no he's not he's not fat and I'm like <laughs> and I think maybe he was I think he was probably a little bit kind of chubby when he was at West Ham sort of kind of his early days like you know what I'm saying so he was kind of nicknamed that and I'm listen this is I'm not I'm not doing the, 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 the like, listen I'm not I'm not doing not, not, not at all doing all that kind of stuff I'm just recalling what people had called him at the time anyway but anyway ex um, Frank and long haired Frank Anyway, um, he got out-tacticked, most definitely, didn't he? Yeah, he, he certainly did. The, the half-time, half-time switch around by Thomas Frank was, was uh, game-changing. And you say the switch around, what was the switch around? Well, he moved to having four at the back when, when we were defending and then like three stroke five with, with Rico pushing way forward when we were attacking. It was like, it, it, it really worked. You know, he, he talked about how difficult it is to, to cope when you're playing 10 men um, and, and not winning the game already. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's easier for a, a team to kind of just not even try once they have an advantage. If you're a man down, it's still it's still not easy, but it's, it's, it's more possible if you've got an advantage. But what, what we saw was Brentford just boss. We had like 95% possession at one stage uh, and it, it was just relentless and, you know, because because we know we can score goals, you know, a lesser team than Brentford, and, 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 it, and it, it, it seems weird saying it at times, a lesser team than Brentford would still have struggled, but... With this, it's so much about us that I, I you know, it, I still didn't know quite where the goal was going to come from, but I knew that if we kept knocking on the door, we were going to create good chances. And I thought, I thought Ivan Tony was the one that was going to probably like reap the rewards of that. But you know, I think um, it was uh, Rico Henry that he he moved into a zone on his own. It's one of those games where nothing nothing he did went wrong, and uh, you know. And and the same with Wieser, you know. I, th- I thought he'd scored the first goal. We were all like, "How the hell has he curled that one in?" We knew that the first goal got a deflection, but the second one, ball in face. Yeah, the ball in face for the first one, but the the flicky on, um, the really astute little flick from from Ericsson's corner was just beautiful and then then, uh, Rico Henry crops up like a couple of minutes later on with a a wicked header and we're we're in dreamland you know there were there were a couple of scary moments after that but you know really it was it should have been more you know um, there was a you know Christian Eriksen chance that was was cleared off the line where on another day that he's curled that one in so yeah it, it, it wasn't comfortable at any stage I wouldn't say it was a potty game um, 
you can you can I can still see there's a reason that you know Richarlison does get a penalty for that shirt pull. I can see the reason why it wasn't given as well, but you know I I can see why Everton fans are spitting about that. Um, and you have to got you have got to say um, why didn't Mads Beck get sent off? Um, and I can see why he wasn't as well because you know it's right that every foul isn't necessarily a yellow card. Um, and he did get the penalty, so it doesn't need to necessarily be punished any more than that, a double, double jeopardy thing. And he was already on a booking. I don't think he deserves to be sent off. So there was a couple of really contentious moments there, but I don't, I don't, I don't think Everton were hard done by by that. And I think you know we got what we deserved, and that was a win. And we're just talking about you know I'm talking about um, Thomas Frank's tactical change I mean the main tactical change he did was taking off Mad Spec Sorensen which you know taking off some of that half time some people will say that's brutal like I'm saying because when you take off some of that half time that means you're going for a big change and he obviously realised that something wasn't working Mads Mech was having a bit of a nightmare to be quite honest I think he gave away the penalty and I think he gave away a free kick outside the area as well at some stage as well like you know so he, was, he wasn't having the best of games and you know some people are saying that he's had a few kind of off games as well so um, there's, I think it's probably highly likely that Mads Beck is not going to start against Leeds United as well because we've got a tendency if a player's playing well we continue to keep them in the side until um, there's an excuse for not them playing them because they have a good game and once they come out and somebody substitutes in for them that player normally keeps their place Dutchman I think I think Mads Beck's had a, a decent enough season overall I think he steps in when he's needed to he's in and out he has a different partner when he comes in and he's never let us down he had a poor 45 minutes on, on Sunday um, as others have had occasionally this year um, he, everything that went wrong seemed to go through him maybe they targeted him I don't know um, but I think taking him off was partly he was on a yellow partly probably should have had a second yellow in my opinion um, for, for that foul I think he got lucky there so it was partly probably to save him from that but also to change the tactics and get you now in there and to push everyone else forward and you know, you've got to absolutely give praise to, to Thomas Frank not only for doing what he did, but for wanting to do it. You know, all, all this talk of whether teams are on the beach and those lazy sayings. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily need any points out of that. We wanted points out of that. And we took the opportunity, he took the opportunity to change that team around and go for that goal. Um, you know, Lady C didn't know where the goal was coming from. I'm sure we all predicted a, a Rico 20-yard header into the top <laughs> corner. We were saying how likely that was um, just before it happened, of course. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to want to win those games. And we clearly did. And you know, see the Everton results tonight. But Lane, you just lose. You know, they're, they're they're on a roll and they're on a good bit of form, and, and we beat them. And you, you can go on about the, you know, the slight unluckiness with the more more about the timing. I think of the potential second yellow and, and the red card for them because it was you know, almost a connected incident, wasn't it? But you could also talk about the headbutt on Tony that didn't really get reported. You could talk about the, you know, the horrendous tackle from Rondon on on Rico again when he came on, and, and lots of other. You could talk about you know, and his constant falling over that actually ends up costing him decisions because you know the refs don't give him decisions when perhaps he should get them and he really ought to have a word with himself about that because he's not doing himself any favours for such a great player so we, we took on another team full of good players who are on a good run of form and you know, 46 points after that with the game to go is just a staggering achievement Absolutely, so listen, I mean we've talked about the game itself let's, uh, let's go to Will because we've got Will, the spreadsheet wink about Will Allsock is going to give us the statistical lowdown on the Everton match. Spreadsheet winker, winker, and it does seem good like it pretty well should be. Spreadsheet winker, winker, and he's always 
So what do we need to know about the Everton game then? Bees made 2.04 xG to Everton's 2.19. So relatively even game in terms of chances created. Without the penalty however, Bees are comfortably ahead in the xG race. Calvert-Lewin had the largest non-penalty chance for Everton, with his 10-minute opener at 45%. This was the same size as Bees' largest chance from Matthias Jensen in the 30th minute. He's now got zero goals this season from 2.78 xG, a pretty huge underperformance in front of goal. Of the six non-penalty shots inside the Bees box from Everton, all but one of them came within the first 10 minutes of the game. After this, excluding the penalty, Bees defended very well and kept Everton to pot shots from outside of the box. Yuan Whistler's leveller on 62 minutes was actually a spectacularly difficult chance to score at just 7%. He's now on 7 goals from 3.27 xG, an overperformance of more than 200%, which shows just how clinical he is. So there you go, Will Alsop giving us the statistical lowdown on that Everton game. Fairly even Stevens, he says, on the xG, but then they did have a penalty, so we, we outgunned them as it is creating the big chances as well and uh, he said like I said and the interesting figures we're talking about their game because basically obviously their game was to just try and batter us early on and they created all their big chances very early on then after that they literally were just shooting from like flipping almost a halfway line well not quite that bad but you know what I'm saying after that because that's where their chances came after that so I mean with Brentford I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just wondering because we can go on about I mean, somebody's turned around and they've done some stats on Sunday. And basically, like, ever since we played Norwich, in effect, we've pretty much been a winning, a winning machine. We're creating big chances. I mean, we've become like a very, very sort of successful... You know, if, if we'd had that form all season, we'd be like easily top 10, could even be higher. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know a lot of people are putting it down to, 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 to Ericsson. There's no doubt that he's been a big influence on that. But just coming back to this game, I mean, look, look, the way that we've come back from that, you know, we've come back from 2-1 down, we've, we've really kind of battled hard. I mean, th- there is something, there's something special about this team, isn't it? There's something massively special about this team. And, you know, we, we've, we've spoken about, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not down to one player. It's down to a collective unit and a spirit and ethos, style of play and, and, and mentality you know, we, 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 we never give up. You know, I, you know, I go around to my mum and dad's a few times a week. They're not they're not massive football people. They watch all the Brentford games, and they and they and they say to me, Brentford never give up, and it's clear, it's obvious to people that aren't necessarily like watching games with with any kind of necessarily you know real deep knowledge. It, it is clear that we never give up, and there is a real sense of belief. Uh, you know the sending off. The sending off certainly helped us. Let's, let's, let's be honest. I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure how that game pans out. Eleven versus eleven for ninety minutes. I still like to think we get something out of that. It was a double sending off, don't forget. Yeah, no, it was a double sending off. But the first, the first one was the one that that, that changed it really. You know, the last one was with five or six minutes to go, and the damage was already done. So you know, but. But you're going back to the original point, there is something very special about our football club, and um, it, it's, it's the manager, it's, it's the coaches, it's, it's the, the players, it's the way we're set up, and it's the honesty. And uh, the, the, the we, there's no there's no Bertie big bollocks out there at all, including Christian Eriksen. 
they, they, they've all bought into a, into a, an attitude and, and, they, and they enjoy it and, and we've enjoyed it all season long it's, it's been hard at times but the, the first third and the last third have just been, a, have been, a, been an absolute joy to behold and, 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 and talking about you know not giving up I mean that's going to be a big point we'll talk about in the Leeds section which is coming up in a bit because uh, you know I spoke to my brother-in-law when I went to America uh, a few weeks ago and uh, you know I was watching the Charlotte game out there and he just said to me you know I said you know at the end of the season what do you reckon and he says Brentford they're on the beach now they've got nothing to play for and I said no mate trust me you don't know us and he says why why, why are they going to why are they going to battle in any game but the one thing that you notice that we're battling literally till the last minute in every single game and we'll be doing that again on Sunday Dutchman yeah exactly right I mean Laney just said they look like a team that's enjoying themselves they look like a team that get on when you, when you see them at the player of the year and all that sort of thing you know they, they seem people that enjoy each other's company on and off the pitch and there's an attitude there I think we look dangerous when we attack. It's back to the days where we were spoiled a couple of years ago in the Championship when we were attacking with the, you know, the, the, the Ben Ramas and the Watkins, where we looked like we'd score every time we went forward. And we've got a bit of that back again now. We look dangerous. Certainly, you know, we look dangerous in, in the opposition's half every time we go forward. We know we're going to create chances. We don't ever look like we're not going to score in a game. You know, there's very few games where we haven't looked like we're going to score or at least create chances to score. I mean, to come away with Everton, I think the officials that was 73% possession at the end of that for an away game at Everton is, is, is a staggering performance and, and the belief to keep going the desire to get those points you know, we, we know they're going to do the same against Leeds and whatever the result is you know it's not going to be through lack of trying um, or lack of effort to finish as high as they can and as far as Ericsson goes you know, he's, he's brought quality to the team and I, I said on one of the WhatsApp groups we shouldn't be apologising for that you know, most teams buy players to make them better most teams buy players to improve them Otherwise, why would you go and get them? And, and they've done that, and they've brought in a world-class player. And you know, no shit, Sherlock. We've got better by having a world-class player in him. And every player amongst that team and around him has improved by him being there through his presence. Right. So it's, it's not a one-man show in the slightest. He's just a man that has helped that team progress and improve individually and as a collective. And we're very lucky to have him, and we'll be very lucky when we enjoy him next season as well is he going to stay <laughs> um, we can sing that song as much as we want I'm not sure he takes much notice of that whether I want him to stay or not but you know what I think we've got a chance of keeping him let's, let's say that much let's, let's, let's be honest as well Brentford Football Club have made Christian Eriksen better as well that is something we, we should never underestimate we've made him better Indeed, indeed. So listen, JB, let's go over to JB with his facts and his funk, his final facts and funk of the season. Sock it to him, JB. was our 12th visit to Everton and the first time we've scored three goals there. It was only the eighth time in our league history that we've been 2-1 down at half time yet turned it around for a 3-2 win. A match at home to Wolves in 1936 was the only other time we've previously done that in the top tier. It was also the first time this season we've been losing at half time in an away match and won. Even at home we've only previously done that against Watford. It's fair to say that in the last century our left backs haven't scored many league goals. Rico Henry has now netted three in the season, 
matching the open play contributions of Jake Bidwell, Andy Frampton, Martin Granger, Jamie Murray and Mark Hill. If he scores against Leeds, he'll match the record of four that Dick Renwick scored in 1969-70. In our previous top tier seasons in the 1930s and 40s, we finished in 5th, 6th, 6th, 18th and 21st. So however the final Premier League table looks at 6 o'clock on Sunday, it will see us in our 4th highest position in our 133 year history. So, Sunday, Leeds United coming to New Griffin Park, what's turned out to be a massive game. As Lady said earlier, it was a game at the beginning of the season. We saw the fixtures, we saw Leeds' last game of the season, and we looked at the, the odds, probably look at 538 and all sorts of stuff as to who's going to finish where. And we fought Leeds and Brentford there or thereabouts. And there was a lot of fear. A lot of people said, I remember, all the way through the season, I really don't want it to be Brentford and Leeds' last game of the season for us to be fighting for our lives. As it is, we're not fighting for our lives because we, uh, we did all right this season. Listen, we're not boasting, we're just stating facts. And uh, yeah, we did all right, man. Good start of the season. Middle half of the season, which was tough. We got enough points. We just basically just kept punching. You know, and people are punching at us, but we've got enough points. And then the back end of the season, we've done marvellous. So we're all right, but Leeds United are fighting for their lives most definitely. And we're going to be talking about that uh, and loads of other things as well. I mean, this Leeds game, a lot of, a lot of people are very, very excited for it. Um, not for any other reason, but the fact that it's kind of final game of the season. It's a celebration for us, the fact that we're in the league. We're playing a team that we play quite a lot in the championship. We've had a bit of a ding-dong between us and Leeds for various reasons. You know, we're near the top and, you know, they've, they've done very well. They've got some great players. Uh, but, listen, you know, that all goes out the window now because at the end of the day, you know, we are playing the final game of the season. We want to win. We want to finish up as high as possible. You know, we've never been, I don't know, we've, you know, Premier League, you know, first season of the Premier League, we'd love to be top ten. Probably unlikely, but you never know. You know, if we finish top ten, that'll be unbelievable. Dutchman, looking forward to Sunday. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It is, as you say, it's it's a celebration for us, and I, I, I guess I'm slightly concerned that it becomes all about Leeds and you know the, the troubles that they found themselves in, and the fact this is a gosh, it's a bloody must-win game for them, isn't it? Um, and with all due respect, that's their problem. I mean, I I, I want to celebrate what we've achieved this year as a club as a team as, as fans and and enjoy ourselves I want to win I want to get 49 points I want to come as high as possible and I really hope that we can make the game about us and not about Leeds I mean Laney I'm just saying as well because the headlines are going around we knew this before we mentioned it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, we said it's um, it's going to be home fans only for Brentford fans uh, we heard that a couple of weeks ago that's some signed by the pubs and this is something that never happens in uh, at Brentford ever I mean we're, we fought against it we said that we don't want home fans only all the pubs said we don't want to fight against home fans only but they've made the decision to make this home fans only just because again probably rumours that there's going to be thousands of Leeds fans coming down without tickets which means that you know they could be mingling in different pubs and stuff like that and they just kind of I don't know it's a big game for them so I think they're probably being um, you know uh, they, they, they're probably being overprotective and just making sure that there isn't any issues yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what the intel is. You know, that's their job. You know, I, I, they've never done it before, so you you assume they do it for for good reason. And yeah, it's better to edge on the side of caution. I mean, I, I, it doesn't sit comfortably with us, you know, because you know we're big advocates of 
fans mixing in in the in the in the in the pubs and in in the streets and everyone being grown ups and everyone getting on and I mean we invite these fans every single time every single time we invite these fans they come inside and they're drunk with us yeah I, I, I remember us interviewing Leeds fans in the Griffin um, before one of the games back in I guess it was League One or the first season we were up I think I think it was League One still and um, you know they. You know, it was it was a bit edgy, but you know they were decent decent folk, and you know we 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 we're football fans at the end of the day, and you know it, that that's all that really matters to us mostly is like you respect our club, we respect your club, and you know what, manners. Yeah, what yeah, and what what happens in what happens on the football pitch, and then you have you have a drink afterwards, and you know you go again the following week because it's it's you know I'm not saying it's only a game, it's never only a game, but. You know, it, football's cyclical, and you just gotta make make friends, really. And but S- Sundays, Sundays are, it is a big match. Clearly, there is there is some beef. Um, but you know, the the problems that Leeds find themselves in at the moment, um, and their 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 possible probable relegation, is nothing to do with Brentford. It's nothing to do with what happens on on Sunday. They they've been poor. Week in, week out, you know. I'm a, you know, you know what I, my, my, my boring saying is it's a nine month season, and it is, you know, you, you, you don't get relegated for from what happens on the last game of the season. You get relegated for the all those games that came before, and they've been tact- tactically naive all season. They, they, they didn't invest in January. They stuck with a manager that. They, 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 they. You know, it was God to them, but he's he's played a massive part in getting them relegated, and they brought in a, a an, another manager that's not up to the job. He's, he hasn't done a bad job, but you know, he's, he, he wasn't the right wasn't the right person. So, you know, they've only got themselves to blame at Ellen Road, and it's it's got nothing to do with us. And um, you know, whatever happens on Sunday happens on Sunday. Um, I know what I hope. Um, um, and, and that's for Brentford to win, and, and as Dutchman said, finishing the top ten. That would be absolutely stunning. So yeah, so talking about this match, this match is a massive match because of what happened tonight, Thursday night. There was two games. We had Burnley, who played Aston Villa, and that game was a tight match. Lots of saves by the goalkeepers in that game, both ends, but it ended up one all. Uh, Burnley were actually ahead at one stage as well, you know. So that would have made it even more exciting, you know. Then on the other hand. We had Everton, who were, I think they were 2-0 down as well. And they were struggling. They were out at Crystal Palace. And they brought it back to win 3-2. Big celebrations, pitch invasion on the pitch there, as, as Laney was saying. Which means that Everton are now safe. Which means they're out of the picture now. And it is strictly between Burnley and Leeds United. And you can see the Burnley fans, when they heard the Everton score, they were just looking up to the sky and they weren't very happy at all. Because they basically, you know, that they, they were asking us to do them a favour because we need to we basically need to get a result I mean if, uh, if if Leeds lose and and I'm just saying if Leeds lose and Burnley lose Burnley are okay but obviously if Leeds get a result and Burnley don't then Leeds are safe so that's why there's a lot of tenters going on at the moment now but um, it's it's really teed it has really teed it up for a bit of a kind of I don't want to say a cup final, but it is sort of a bit of a cup final because Leeds, they have to win that game. It's a cup final. And for us, you know that we're not going to lie down for, for various reasons, probably historic reasons between Brentford and, and Leeds. And this is not talking about us. We're talking about with the players and with Thomas Frank and everything like that, isn't it? 
be, I mean, you know, but the, the facts are, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get swept away by by anything more than the the, the the form coming into this and the teams. You know, Leeds have had two important players sent off the last two games that they won't be playing. Um, they've, they've 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 not got, you know, Bamford might be on the bench, probably not. You know, they're they're, they're struggling for players and they're struggling for form. Um, they're struggling for their lives, and you know, it. it, it what we want, we want to, we all want to win. Whoever was playing, whoever we were playing on, on on Sunday, I don't think Leeds necessarily makes it more of a must-win game for us. I don't think it, I don't think it really comes into it. There, there'd be certain aspects that Thomas Frank might not be happy about. Certain players might not be happy about. Pontus Janssen, you know, he's been at Brentford almost as long as he was at Leeds. So, you know, he's not really, he's not, he's not a Leeds player still. He's a Brentford player. You know, you, you know, you, they can they can ramp it up as like, oh, he'll do something for Leeds. Look, he was there three seasons. and He's been with us three seasons. You know, he, he's, he's 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 every bit as Brentford as he is. He every bit as Leeds. Is every bit as Malmo. Is every bit as ever he's ever played for. He, he doesn't think of them as any more special than us or us any more special than them. He's he's just a pro, and he's he's our captain, and he he'll, he'll want to go out there and win. And he's incentivised. And if if he the, the, every league possession is more money in his back pocket. So you know he's, he's not he's not wrapped up in doing anything for Leeds United at all. So you know we we we'll, we'll talk about facts, and the facts are that we are going to be the favourites um, and deservedly so. We're we are on really good form. We're playing really incredible football, and you know I, I think I think we're going. I think we're teaching a lesson, Bill. So, so listen, I mean, we, we, that's just you talking from the heart, lady. But all we need to go is to go to our stats guy. We got Will. Also, the spreadsheet winker, as we call him, and Will is going to give us the statistical lowdown on Leeds United. Spreadsheet winker. So, what do we need to know about Leeds United then? They made 2.37 xG in their 1 1 draw with Bryson, somehow conspiring not to score until Strike's 92nd minute shot at 35%. They were very wasteful in the box up until this moment, squandering more than 2xG from 24 attempts. That was the first time in three games that Leisure created more than 1xG. But creating isn't even their biggest issue. They've conceded more than 1xG in every game since their 3-0 win against relegated Watford. We should expect plenty of opportunities for our attackers in this match. In fact, they concede nearly 2xG on average per game. They're underperforming their average xG created per match by 0.3, and conceding 0.2 more than their average XG against. They're not particularly reliant on one player for goals, with Rafinha on 10 and Harrison on 7 this season. Rafinha is definitely their biggest threat though, with 0.30 XG in the average match. In comparison, Ivan Tony has 0.39 XG per average match. So if we can shut up Rafinha, we'll go a long way to nullifying their attacking threat. So there you go, Will. All stop. Give us some stats on Leeds United and uh, interesting, you know, um, not converted chances, very similar to what they were like in the championship. They still won the championship, there's no doubt, but again, you know, some people, like I say, they think actually it's, it's nonsense. They do create chances, it's for putting them into the back of the net. Now, that on that flip side, you know, if they create the chance against us, they could put them in the back of the net, you know, they didn't, they didn't put them in the back of the net against Brighton, but it might happen against Brentford. Let's shall see. More to the point, Lainey, I'm going to ask you a question because, look, you know, it's almost like we've kind of been skirting around the issue here. 
You know, we've got Leeds United, they're coming down. It's been to and fro between Brentford and Leeds for, for a couple of seasons, you know. Um, it, I don't even know where it all kind of started off. I think it all started off, like, you know, with, uh, with the penalty. I think it must have started off with the, with the Ollie Watkins... Ollie Watkins' penalty, I think, is where it first really started off with Brentford and Leeds. It might have started off back in the day when, uh, no, yeah, but that didn't really count, like, you know, when Beckford equalised back in the Division 3, but that didn't really count because, you know, we had like, about 4,500 Brentford fans come down to Leeds at that time and they didn't know who the hell we were. We actually equalised on their patch and that was a little bit like, what's going on here? And then they drew at our ground as well and then they got promoted and we didn't play them for ages. And then, you know, it was so so between us. I think the first season, you know, they were quite surprised. But the, I think the thing is, they never used to beat us. Every time they played us, they never used to beat us. We'd always get some sort of result from them. And that's what it was. But it was that Ollie Watkins penalty, because that's when we started to get really good. We had a really good side. Ollie Watkins was great. I, I believe Malpay was in the side that time as well. You might correct me if I was wrong. But Ollie Watkins went down for a penalty. He got a penalty. The Leeds fans believed it wasn't a penalty. They were absolutely outraged because they thought that the referee was a cheat and everyone was a cheat. And then it kind of went off from there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it did. It, 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 the, the, fact, the fact is, you know, it, they, it, it started getting tasty when, when we started getting good. And um, they, they, they just assumed that, you know, they see the name Brentford and they, they expect that, that they're going to beat us. And they don't factor in the fact that we're a good team, we've got good players, we've got great recruitment, um, our trajectory is, is, uh, is, is on, you know, our star is rising, um, and they, they don't like any of that, they just think, you know, teams like Brentford, deserve, we, they, we deserve to rock up and roll over, and, you know, um, it, it isn't the way it is, we are, uh, we are a forward-thinking, um, f- uh, progressive football club, and the future is really good, really good for us. And you know you can't you can't look at the past and, and wallow in, 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 in the past, um, and and take take solace in, in that you, you 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 were decent 40 years ago. We know we know that doesn't count for anything. You have to be good in four years' time, not 40 years ago. And you know unfortunately, you know it, it, it sounds hollow if you if you keep banging on about stuff that happened in the past. You know we've all got we've all got history, but it's the future that matters. I'm not sure it's a personal thing against Brentford or Frank or the player. I, I, I think hashtag teams like Leeds and, and, and there are others, of course. I think it's just so easy to see Brentford as being everything that that annoys them in as much as, you know, they're these big teams and they are big. They're massive teams. You know, they're big, bigger fan bases than ours and bigger stadiums and, you know, are more successful in recent years than us. And I think, you know, Brentford just rile teams not even necessarily because of who we are or what we do or anything in particular and you can look at whether it's you know because we don't roll over is it well it's, it's a bit of that but there's other teams like us as well but I, I think you know you could argue it's Watkins penalty or Malpay's very funny celebrations in front of them that wind them up but you know there's teams wind you up week in Christ the Redeemer it's Christ the Redeemer celebration with his hands outstretched yeah that's the one but there's teams do that every week and every week someone dives or falls over I think we just sort of represent and personify something that really annoys big teams because you know they're they're still harking after as they his old days and and stuff but it, but it, but in modern terms you know, in modern terms we've finished company mid-table we could come top 10 we could come 15 you know, wherever wherever we end up and it annoys teams because they still think they should beat teams like Brentford 
um, and they can't. So I, I, I think you guys probably think it's more personal than I do, and maybe I'm completely wrong. But I just, I just see us, and if it wasn't us, it will be, you know, another smaller team that comes up that winds these teams. I'm sure Bournemouth wound teams up when they came up, and I'm sure Blackpool did back in the day, and Barnsley, and and you know, all, teams all, like Barnsley. hashtag teams like all of those that are a bit like us. And I don't Swindon. <laughs> Swindon, you know, and there's plenty of those. So I, th- I think we just see it's the first time we've experienced it because we're on the other end of it. And I, I don't think Leeds are actually that different from other big teams that find us a real pain in the arse right now. Um, and long may it continue. But they, just, they just don't like losing to teams like Brentford, and it's a fact. And you know, and I, I can under, I can kind of understand why. I mean, I, I do get it. Uh, it's, it's not a complete mystery. But you know, it, you, you need to you need to have like the the intelligence to to realise why it's happening. This isn't this isn't a, like a one-off cup tie. This is happening week in week out, and it's not, you know you you can't go Brentford. You know, oh look, in 1983 they were they were they were a piece of crap on our shoe. Yeah, we were. You know, we've been there. We 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 watch shit week in week out, and this is why we're enjoying it now. You know, we. We know, we know we're proud of where we've come from as well. You know the bus stop in Hounslow, the 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 sort of like the you know the backhanded compliments and the the kind of you know the derogatory insults to ourselves. You know it, it, it's part of who we are, and but we, we're growing. You know it, you look at us in five years' time. Hopefully, you know I'm still not taking it for granted. It's you know but we we are we are, we are transformed from where we where we were. And you know we, we'll have, we'll we'll see where we are this time next year, but I I, I don't I don't I think we'll be at least where we are now. So I'm going to ask you. I mean, listen, we're coming down to let's cut down to the chase as well because it's interesting. We've talked about all these incidents, like I said, to the Malpay incident, which I'm not going to go fully into. But all I'm going to say to you, well, I will actually, we'll go fully into. But I'll say to you that Malpay knows that he did this Crisis Redeemer thing in front of the Leeds fans. And when I spoke to him about six months later, you know, and he said if he scores against against Leeds, he's going to do it again. And he did it again against Leeds. And every time he scores against Leeds, he does this Crisis Redeemer thing. He's left Brentford now and he's gone to Brighton. And he did it when he was at Brighton. He didn't score the, again the other night. But that was part of the whole thing that came here again. But I'm going to ask you, because I think Malpay was questioning as well, because he got a load of abuse, he told me, um, from the Leeds fans when he did his Christ the Redeemer thing in front of them. And I don't know, he didn't seem to regret it at all. One thing that, okay, which is uh, probably seemed quite funny at the time, which is Surftis, um, which I'm not quite sure whether or not they regret, is the video that was shot by the Leeds players after they won the championship. And they've got the, the video of the Leeds players with the cup singing, mind the, fr- tap, mind the, mind, oh, what's it, mind the gap, Thomas Frank, mind the gap. And they were basically singing to Thomas Frank because we lost in the playoffs that year and they'd obviously gone up. So they were singing Mind the Gap of a very famous uh, sort of phrase that is used, especially on the tube, right, to make sure when you get off the tube that you don't fall down in the little hole. But Mind the Gap, but it's also to do between teams who are in different divisions or very higher and lower than each other. So anyway, that's explaining to our foreign listeners there. But anyway, Mind the Gap. Now, I'm going to ask you, Laney, but is that the time? Because you just do things for banter as it is. And then players did it for banter. But... When you do things sometimes, because that video disappeared, but it's resurfaced in the last few days, okay? Has there been anything that you've done sometimes where you've done something and then it's disappeared and all of a sudden it's resurfaced and you just thought, oh no, I should have never done that at the time. Well, you did it and at the time you thought, hmm, maybe that wasn't probably the wisest move. You, have you got anything at all you think of? No, I've got, I've got nothing to personally confess on, on that front, I don't think. Uh, okay, uh, Dutch, have you got anything at all? You don't know? 
Are you talking videos or things I could just make up and there's no proof of? Um, I can't think of anything obvious, really. I, I think that... Nothing po- I'm going to confess Nothing going to confess to live on a podcast with, with, with 17 listeners around the world. I'm not going to do that. But I think, yeah, the, the, the point about that video was more around the fact it was done by players rather than fans. I think fans are expected to play up and do stuff and that's the banter and, you know, we've got a good relationship with most other fanzines and clubs. Uh, you know, an up and down, and there's your tension. And rather, yeah, normally there's some mutual respect in there, I think. But I think the fact that came from players, particularly an ex-player who we held in quite high regard, really. Uh, I don't think he got uh, you know any abuse when he left us. Um, he was popular when he was with us, and I think most people wished him well. And that 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 annoyed a lot of Brentford fans, and I understand it annoyed a lot of people within the club as well. Um, so you know, these, these 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 things happen. People regret them, but there ain't no hiding on the internet. Right, I mean, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, no, no, forget that, listen, let's forget that the hotel in Denmark, we shall move on from that one immediately, but what I will say is I'm going to put my hand up that actually earlier this season, and Lainey was there, would you like me to explain it? Yes, I think maybe you should explain it. Well, I was, I wasn't going to mention this tonight, I was going to say this, I, we, we, I think we will save this to the end of the no, season. No, no, you want to do it tonight? It, no, okay. I'm owning up because okay, at, at least, Lee's are caught with their pants down with that video right. and I was caught with my pants okay, down. Right, so so th- let's go back to December. So we're outside Ellen Row. We got there really early. Billy drove up. Um, we got there par- parked up in the car park opposite Ellen Road and we've gone over to the Dom, Dom Reavy statue and we've, we've looked at the shit in the club shop and stuff. And... Um, and uh, so we, we, we've come outside and uh, put t- posing for a couple of pictures and Bill's called, called us over. It's like three of three, it was me, Club Shop Anne, Bella and Bill, and Bella, Bill's daughter. And there's a, a huge like stadium high uh, picture of, 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 yeah, like a banner of um, Patrick Bamford. And Bill said, Bill said, right, okay, let's take, pose for a picture we do a selfie we're all like stick our fingers up at Patrick Bamford and I went well, no, we weren't sticking our fingers we were laughing we were laughing at you yeah it, it was kind of like yeah it was kind of like a, you know like a pointy kind of snarly thing so um, I said Bill absolutely no way I said I'm having none absolutely none of that I said why would you? I said to him why would you want to do a thing like that save it for afterwards and he's like ah oh, no Laney like no, no. right so they they did it and it was just like yeah, they you know it, it wasn't like gesticulating or anything. It was just like oh, a lying. it was just a funny, yeah. funny like taking the piss out of Bamford like kind of thing. Anyway, so when 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 Patrick Bamford scored in ninety plus five, I literally looked at Bill and went, "That's all your fucking fault. That's your fault. And you you and your fucking photograph, right?" And like I went and then like. Bill's daughter after the game went dad that was all your fault if you hadn't if you hadn't then Anne got into the car and went Bill if you hadn't have made us take that fucking photograph we would have come away with a win then so it's been like a secret all season long not, and every time it, no it and I've not and I've not really mentioned it as well and uh, you know but and we've not shown it to anyone no we've not shown it to anyone and I'm not sure it probably won't ever see the light of day but it's one of those things it's a, le- a real it was a lesson to us and we all learnt from it was the fact that don't sing and don't sing too, too soon. soon. Never, sing never sing too soon. Never assume, never take anything for granted in this division. This division is absolutely ruthless. 
this quality in every single team and you just let your guard down for a second and even like some even someone like Patrick Bamford will score against you that's right and talking about singing too soon listen what we're going to do we're going to go over to some of our Leeds chums at the moment now we've got the square ball and uh, they're going to talk to us about well about Leeds and Brentford it's a big game on Sunday Leeds United come down to New Griffin Park for the first time. And we've got the square ball in the house. Introduce yourself, lads. Dan, Michael and Rob. So let's cut to the chase. Who do you think is most in danger of getting relegated? It's not how it should end in the Premier League, is it? Do we need to order the old uh, Brentford West sorry banners no, now? Because we don't need to be sorry, do we? For long-term fans <laughs> of Leeds United, though. No. I wouldn't mind Brentford going down, to be honest. They're not really a Premier League team, are they? I know, I know, we, I know, we, can, I know we are going to fall foul of um, people saying, oh, you know. Entitled wankers? Entitled wankers. Yeah, no, they've no, you can't say that. Well, you just did. Didn't one of your directors, Angus Kinnear, say that no one has a God-given right to be in the Premier League? And he's right, but it doesn't mean I have to like them being there. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather they weren't. But surely you should be worrying more about yourselves in the Premier League at this time than, than Brentford. Um, they really, really want to send us down. There's no two ways about that, is there? Because, um, you know, there's been a bit of back and forth in recent seasons based around the promotion and the uh, perhaps ill thought out mind the Gap Thomas Frank video that went public. Ah, you mean the video when the whole lead squad sang mind the Gap Thomas Frank with a trophy the season you won the championship and we missed out in the playoffs? Mind the Gap, mind the Gap Thomas Frank. We actually thought it was quite funny at the time. I think that's what you call banter. People say it's going to come back to bite us, but it doesn't matter, does it? it doesn't matter, no. no. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have... Because the thing is, if they send us down, they'll do some similar stuff. And then the year after, they'll go down. Yeah. And then they won't be able to laugh about it anymore. And none of it matters anyway. So now we're getting relegated next season. I thought we were getting relegated this season. Or was it the fact we're not going up from the championship? Or, or was it Division 1? I, I get really confused got to take your medicine sometimes exactly, exactly. If we, yeah. and if we go down and they do relegate us fine whatever come on lads that's not the fighting spirit we were expecting so who else do you think is battling for that final relegation spot the one that was left by Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago I mean Newcastle is a different proposition to Bournemouth in terms of you know it's much higher profile but they're in a really difficult bind in that who's going to want to join them now apart from people who want an absolute shed load of money. I was going to say, there's... Very, oh, there are very few professional footballers in the Premier League that are going to see that as an attractive proposition now. Mm. It's going to be somebody who's going to say, well, I'll tell you, okay, then I'm, I'm prepared to go down and then get promoted again. So you, you're shopping in a particular pool of players, aren't you? Hold on, you do realise Newcastle are safe, don't you? Yeah, they should have the decency to just do that. Just what? accept relegation. That's what I think they should do. And sell players, if anything. Sell, send Maximan to us, um, and then, then they can go... They can just go down meekly, is what I think they should do. <laughs> so they can take up one of the places. Okay, fair enough. So what teams do you think should be in the Premier League? I feel like it's weird yeah. in that I feel like everyone, everyone's opinion of what the ultimate Premier League teams should be is kind of based upon when you're about 13. We've got <laughs> Sheffield, like Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, like Sheffield Wednesday, that's fine. They can be in. I'd even like 
Swindon, I think, might be all right in there for a bit, or Oldham. Yeah, I'd weirdly think about Portsmouth as being a Premier League club. Even though Swindon shipped 100 goals when they got relegated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were terrible and weren't in the Premier League for very long at all. To be fair, and I'll say with all due respect, you're not far off shipping 100 goals yourself this season. Well, you grew up with a team there, you sort of think, oh, no, that's, that, that's acceptable. And I think that's why I just can't deal with Brentford in the Premier League, because it, it just feels... It just feels so wrong. It felt weird when we played him in the Championship at one stage. Never mind playing him in the Premier League. So, so how do you think this one's going to play out, given everything? I don't know why. I just think we'll lose. We have a terrible. I know it's a different stadium, so technically, it's it's no longer losing at the same Brentford. Is this less intimidating? This ground? I don't know. I, mean, I don't think it was, ever, it was. It was ever intimidating, but that's it was of, kind of awkward though. Round top of your boxy kind of. Whereas this, you feel like you're playing under under twenty ones, friendly in Slovenia. Yeah. So I take it you're not. Looking forward to ticking off a new stadium this weekend. Uh, you, you are coming, aren't you? You can't build a new stadium that's that's 17,000 to be in the Premier League. We could have gone out of town, I suppose, and built another stadium twice as big, but with no soul. Can they expand it? I think they can on one stand, can't they? But they're so hemmed in by three railway lines that there's not a lot of room to do much there. And there's a small issue of buying land in queue, one of the most expensive areas in West London. And is that even the demand is the question, isn't it? Of course, the demand. Lees would have bought more. Just, just go down. <laughs> it's easier. It'd be for the best. It's nothing personal, like. But... So Bielsa's gone, and Jesse Marsh is in. Leeds fans and players seem to be fixated by Thomas Frank. I don't understand. What's your problem with Thomas? I think he's he's part of the issue. Has he been more humble since they've come up or not? I know he's very deferential. I saw a bit of um, Sky Sports news when I got in last night. He's been very complimentary about um, about Conte. And he was saying he's one of the world's great coaches and he was kind of, you know, well, hopefully we can get something, which is very on Thomas Frank-like, who normally is chewing gum with an open mouth and declaring that they're the best team since sliced bread. He's been down the boozer with us a few times. He even jumped on a podcast once down the pub. He's hilarious. He loves his football. I'd say he's fairly humble. I mean, we do talk down to Brentford more than others, but that's because they're rightly so. That's because they're playing a daft stadium and have... Um... <laughs> A creep as a manager, so he's really got to you, hasn't he? It's just a bit cringe. I find him like his whole laid-back, long hair, middle-aged man. What like you? I don't know. I just, I, 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 there's something, there's something I feel, I feel unsettled by about him. I know it's bad to shame people's appearance, and you know, God's sake, you know, by all means, pick on me. But I think he's keeping his hair long to hide his ears. <laughs> he's got, he's got old man like goblin ears. Have you seen them? They're very long. I haven't, but I'm going to now. You've got very long ears. ears. Okay, I think I'm getting there now. It's the goblin ears. <laughs> a teacher who's trying to be like mates with you, even though you're thinking you're about 30 years older than me, mate. This is, this is weird. Okay, we get it. So you don't like Thomas. But how about Pontus? I've got a lot of love for Pontus still. I still I hold, him, well, I still really. hold him in, in really high affection, I think. I know, I know he had the sort of sat on the appetising boards drawing attention to himself thing and he was a bit like that sometimes but yeah I, I mainly have very good memories of him it sounds like you really miss him the the sort of the early early days of Pontus he was pretty much the best thing about us mm. and he was he was entered for a centre back he was hugely entertaining which was watching him celebrate tackles and corners and things like that yeah. was a lot of fun at the time he was he was good fun in a time when Leeds mainly wasn't so yeah so fair play to him yeah I do like I like him and I like all that side of him maybe it didn't quite fit for Bielsa and that's why bombed him out unceremoniously mm. you know sold his what he described as his best player at the time didn't he but he, I mean Pontus himself seems quite philosophical about it apart from banging on about it in that interview <laughs> at Wembley non-stop for about for about 10 minutes having just been promoted with Brenton uh, Brent, sorry teams like Brenton and he's got his Premier League time now hasn't he yeah. as well I think that was the thing it felt like when he, he didn't go up with us then didn't go up with Brentford you were sort of thinking for his sake this is maybe a bit of a shame mm. even if um, 
the team plays for has no, no business being in there. <laughs> I do like the idea of him though because he was so passionate with the fans and he was always kind of trying to rouse the atmosphere and then mm. he's gone and signed for a team with a 17,000 stadium. To be fair, Leeds would have taken more. I'd quietly talked myself into the idea that Pontus was going to let us have a goal in this game. <laughs> Because he doesn't want us to go down, does he? Yeah, maybe he just he stands off his player that he's marking, you know, doesn't quite go for a challenge right, something like that. Just a little thing that won't ever get picked up on. Just mm-hmm. a little sort of subconscious, subversive act that helps to save leads. Come on, he, he wants to, doesn't he? Um, I'm not entirely sure about that one. So Christian Eriksen, so what do you think about him coming to Brentford? But they will probably almost certainly lose Christian Eriksen and he's been the catalyst for their second half of the season hasn't he he's, um, he's been pulling the strings there in midfield ah so it's all Christian Eriksen not the other 10 players on the pitch if you, if you actually look at their form they slumped after Christmas so in the new year from the 11th of January right through to sort of the back end of February they lost just about every game barring one draw that they got at home to Palace and then after that they just like flicked the switch uh, in March and uh, won every game barring two with one player on the pitch it's funny isn't it yeah I think um, somebody got injured didn't they <laughs> someone got injured oh you mean David Ray or a goalkeeper who was out for four months or is it Ayer who was out for three months or are you talking about one of the other sort of, what dozen or so injuries that we had in that time that absolutely crippled us Frank tried changing the tactics to accommodate it and um, it was a disaster <laughs> you, you literally have no idea you've done no research whatsoever so how many games did Lewis and Rowe all of them and then uh, put it back how it was with um, added Ericsson and um, <laughs> this is brilliant you're just making it up now whoever it was was injured came back and suddenly they're good again genius I don't think I don't think they're massively uh, annoying as a fan base or anything oh, I just hmm. <laughs> oh go on no just one or two moments when we were sort of milling around with them in the league and just there were some accounts that were just when we got promoted you know just having a little little pops at us about us blowing it and actually we ended up winning the league by 10 points so it was nice to give that that payback and I, and I know that like be sotted I think we may even follow one another on Twitter that's their fan channel slash podcast and stuff who were dead reasonable and you know all that when we um, first started following them but I think somebody in their fold has uh, has gone a bit wild and likes to just start digging everybody out including us hmm not sure if that's a hundred percent true i mean people like all leads tv idra db leads ls11 podcast ladies who leads lufc stats talk to them all the time they've got the manners and they're cool oh well so hopefully they'll, <laughs> they'll hopefully we'll beat them and then they'll get really upset that's all <laughs> i want is it even worth predicting what's gonna happen here no because generally that doesn't go well so there you go, we are the square ball. And um, listen, what can, what can I say? Listen, at the end of the day, it's all a little bit of banter, as they say. We all have to have a little bit of fun in football. You know, square ball had a bit of fun with us early in the season. We had a little bit of fun with them now as well, like, you know what I'm saying? And, and as we say, like the Bamford photograph, uh, like, the, like, the, like the video that the players did, sometimes it all comes back in a big circle. And sometimes, listen, you know, we've just got to, as you say, you've got to take your medicine as it is. Like, you know, at the end of the day, listen, this game, if we lose this game, it means nothing to us because we've done really well this season. We're very happy. So we'll just kind of move on from there. And like I said, also, because what I will say is because, listen, I speak to, I've got loads of Leeds mates, as you know, I've got Zaf out there. And, um, and I talk to them all the time and, listen, look really respectful. We, we chat about football, we chat about stuff. They're good football people as well. When I go up to Leeds, you've got Leeds man as well. You know, when we go out there last time, we had a good beer with them. I haven't got a problem with Leeds. Sometimes we, we try to get to away fans and get them to chat. And Oscar, 
There's a guy I've been chatting to for years. He's a lovely bloke. We brought him down the pub. We've been drinking with him in Leeds. He's come down to Brentford. We're going to meet him on Sunday as well and have a good drink with him. We're going to go over to Oscar to try and get a little bit more information on what's going on down with Leeds United, just to show you that we've got like a balanced point of view. How are we doing, guys? It's Oscar from All Leeds TV, and it's an absolute pleasure to be back on the podcast. I've known Billy for years. We go back a long, long way. Billy's helped me so much in terms of getting into the broadcasting game and getting into the YouTube game as well. Plenty of fantastic advice and help throughout the years as well. I can only thank Billy so much for that. We've been down the boozer many, many times, many laughs, uh, many, many good chats about football and many good battles between Brentford and Leeds over the last couple of years, especially for promotion battles and now in the Premier League as well. It's been a really, really tough season for Leeds United, though. Uh, stressful season, and we just got to hope it doesn't end in relegation. It's as simple as that. I think it's gone wrong in many, many different ways, really. But I think the two main ones, really, have been recruitment and injuries. Recruitment-wise, the signs we have made just haven't really worked out this season compared to last. And there's been areas that we just haven't strengthened in, in terms of depth, in terms of quality, that we needed to. I think in midfield, there's been a big gap in midfield ahead of Calvin Phillips for probably not just this season, last season as well, despite how well last season went. There was a gap there last season too, where I think most Leeds fans would say we probably should have looked to get more bodies in there in terms of options and depth and ultimately quality. Up top as well, we just haven't had the depth of Sir Patrick Bamford and we've been really, really hurt by the fact that Patrick Bamford's been massively injury-prone since the fifth, sixth game of the season. He's hardly played. In fact, he started one game since Newcastle away, which I think was September the 17th off the top of my head. So that sums it up as well. Patrick Bamford got 17, 17 goals, eight assists last season. It's a massive, massive loss for this Leeds United team. Injury-wise as well, I've, I've kind of mentioned Patrick Bamford there. At the back, we've had big, big injuries. Calvin Phillips himself has been out for probably half the season. And it just feels that anything that could have gone wrong this season has ultimately gone wrong this season. In terms of individuals, who's been decent for Leeds this season? Who's been our better players this season? Well, I think two that stand out straight away for slightly different reasons is Liam Cooper and a former B himself in Adam Forshaw. Liam Cooper, I think, has been fantastic at the back, especially since he's come back from injury. He maybe had a bit of a slow start to the season, first sort of eight to ten games, some mistakes leading to goals, not the most convincing performances. But I have to say, since kind of mid-October time, he's been probably a man of the match contender in every game, to be totally honest with you. Um, and yeah, I think our record in terms of goals against, from him playing and not playing, is absolutely massive. I think we can see twice as many goals per game when he doesn't play compared to when he does play. So that kind of sums it up for me. Adam Forshaw has been super impressive as well, considering that two years ago it looked like he might even have to retire because the injury was that, that that bad that he picked up. But he's come back in at times this season. Again, he's picked up another injury, unfortunately, but he's really shown that old quality that he's always had in terms of giving us composure, control in the middle of the park, that quality of pass, timing of pass. Everything really, and tenacity off the ball as well. Someone who's also been a man of the match contender pretty much every time he's played. And since he got that most recent injury, I think it was after Southampton at home, we've won one game in about six. So he's been a massive loss, massive loss for this Leeds United team. I think I've got to say Elan Melier 
has had good moments as well, especially first half of the season. Some really, really good shot stopping, keeping us in games on his own. Rafinha, in terms of first half of the season, was absolutely magnificent. A contender, potentially, for the team of the year. I think he was playing that well. I think he was on kind of like nine goals in his first 16 games at, at the time of the season. Not quite as good second part of the season, but our general performances have dipped second part of the season. So he's just not been able to get the ball into dangerous enough areas. Um, and that's down to the team, really, in terms of not giving him the ball in those dangerous areas. So it's one of those things, too. But ultimately, we've not seen that same level of Rafinha second part of the season. Joffy Gelhart, who I think will start on Sunday, has been a real positive for us this season too. Certainly, easily the young player of the season for Leeds. Not played enough though for my for my liking. I think he should have had a lot more minutes. But in those minutes he has played, he's been very, 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 very decisive. And I think he's probably, at this moment in time, probably our most likely player to do something decisive on Sunday to possibly keep us in the league. Who could have done better? Well, um, there's probably quite a few players here, but I think probably the two signings we made, Junior Firpo, Dan James, come to mind straight away, mostly because of the fee we paid. We haven't seen enough improvement in those areas of the pitch, considering what we've paid for those players, and we just haven't seen consistent enough performances. Junior Firpo's been suspended, injured, just hasn't worked for Junior Firpo. Diogo Llorente and Luke Aylin, performance-wise, have dropped off a lot. Probably the most from last season to this season. Massively dropped off. Probably our two of our best players last season, so that's been super disappointing. And we've seen how good you know, Luke Aylin and Diego Llorente can be. I've seen from watching Spanish football how good Junior Firpo can be. And Dan James, I think, is still a player of huge potential, but it just hasn't happened for them this season. There's been a lot of talk about there being beef between Leeds and Brentford, Brentford and Leeds, but I don't really buy into it, to be honest. I think there was a bit of, I don't know, obviously we had a massive promotion battle between ourselves in 2019-2020. And, and that's partly where it comes from. I think obviously Pontus Janssen moving from, Brentford, sorry, moving from Leeds to Brentford is part of it as well. And I think probably the biggest beef was when Thomas Frank had a couple of words for us in a couple of press, conference, press conferences. But in all honesty... I'm not really bothered at all. I, I don't have any beef with Brentford. I think Brentford are a very, very ru well-run club. Recruitment's been superb. I mean, you only have to look at some of the talent Brentford have lost in recent years and how you've replaced them consistently really, really well. You finish higher in the table season on season and consistently have done that for the last eight or ten years. And yeah, I think you're a really well-run club, so fair play to Brentford. Thoughts on this game? We, we have to win, I think. <laughs> Really, realistically, we have to win this game to stay up or have a chance of staying up. Burnley have just got a result at Aston Villa, so the pressure is definitely on us to produce something on Sunday. I think we can win. I think I saw the second half against Brighton. Again, it's more in hope than uh, an expectation, but I think if we can play like we did in the second half against Brighton, then yes, I think we can win this game. But I'm massively wary of Brentford in many areas, particularly Christian Eriksen and Ivan Tony's link-up play, which has been superb in the second part of the season. Relegation massively worries me. It would be, um, yeah, it undoes all the superb work we've done over the last three years. And, and it's just a horrible thought. I mean, trying to get back out of the Championship is just an absolutely horrendous thought. And hopefully that kicks us on on Sunday and we get that result on Sunday. Prediction-wise, I'm going to go a two-on lead. I feel we will go for it. I think we're better when we go for it, when we're full press, full on the attack. It might not be the most controlled style of football. Brentford will get chances at the other end, I think. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I'm going to go 2-1 to Leeds United. 
And thanks so much for having me on the podcast again, Billy. All the best to Brentford. And what I will say is this. Brentford has done absolutely superbly to get to where they have done. They can still finish in the top half of the table, I believe. But I will say, enjoy the moment. I say this as a Leeds United fan because three or four months ago, you know, I was as happy as probably what you guys are right now. But things can change in the Premier League very, very quickly. I don't think it will with Brentford personally because I think you recruit really, really well. I don't think you'll make the mistakes we've made and Sheffield United have made in the last two years. I think you will get that recruitment spot on. But enjoy the moment. The league is improving all the time. Enjoy the moment, honestly. I'm not saying this to discourage Brentford in any way, but trust me, don't look into the future. Just enjoy the moment now because the Premier League can change very, very quickly. And it's a it's a brilliant league to be in. And you really feel it when you've been in the Championship for so long. So absolutely fair play to Brentford. And, uh, and yeah, really, really well run club. All the best for next season and all the best to Billy for the summer as well. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you later. So there you go, Oscar, All Leeds TV. Lovely bloke, Oscar. He's got manners, as we say. You know, as you all know out there, manners are important. So Oscar's got the manners. Looking forward to seeing him on Sunday for a drink. I know most of Brentford pubs and accepting Leeds fans, but he's more than welcome in our boozer. We'll have a little drink before the game. And we might have a little drink after the game, depending on what's going down, like you know, which is all good. But anyway, Oscar there, listen, he's given us the lowdown on Leeds United. Let's move forward on this one. Laney, I mean, look, listen, let's bring it positive, like you say, just coming back to Brentford. We've talked about this last game of the season, first season in the Premier League. Looking forward now, we're looking forward to next season already. I mean, they're talking already about Aaron Hickey, defender from Bologna, £13 million. This Strong rumours about him, I think, in, in January window, but that disappeared. But I think he's back on the radar, and we know that we definitely need a fullback. I think he plays on both sides as well, like you know what I'm saying? So we can fill in on one side, we can play on the other side as well. Just things like that uh, makes us realise how we acted in the January window was the business. Because, like, you know, I mean, I know Leeds didn't make any signings as well, which their fans, I think, are very unhappy about. And a lot of Brentford fans were unhappy that we didn't make um, any signings really in the January window. But I think the, the staff were comfortable with what we had. And now they can go out and say, listen, we're quite happy to spend £30 million on Hickey now. We, we couldn't get him in January, but we can get him now, and he's the player that we want. That's positive, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge positive. Uh, I really look forward to us, us having a kind of like the post-season podcast because it's like a, it's a half an hour discussion about this, about the, what, what, we, what we didn't do in January and what that enables us to do this summer. And it, it's huge. There, there, there were gambles taken um, and, you know, it, 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 they, they paid off. And, you know, the, the, I guess the, the, the trust and the confidence in your, your best team was always there. We knew that they would come back all fighting fit before the end of the season. And when they were back, we'd, we'd be the team, we'd be this, like, really potent, um, ambitious and, and really attacking team that really causes every team that we play trouble. So yeah, well, let's talk about that like in a couple of weeks' time, because uh, the impact is huge. Because we, we can actually spend a lot of money this summer, and, and and do it really, really sort of focused on what we actually need, and, and not what we, not what we needed in a four-week window when someone else was injured. Just what we need to make us a better team for the next five years, because we offer five years and seven-year contracts now. And you can't go into that lightly, you know. That that they're, they're, 
you know, the, the headline figure of a transfer fee is, might, might be 20 million, but then you've got the wages that go with that. And they're, they're the premiership wages, we know what they are. You know, for, even for teams like Brentford, you know, we're, we're paying a lot of money on wages now. And you know, the, the, we have to get it right. Um, you get it wrong and you, you end up being a yo-yo club because you, you just can't, you can't ever get any consistency. We'll talk about this later, but Sunday, Sunday is just, just a brilliant day. A Dutchman said it, it's a celebration of everything that we've been building up to the last 10 years, the last 30 years, the last 70 years, trying to get back to this top flight. We've got a second bite at the cherry. Uh, we've got to make sure it's not only a second bite, it's a third, fourth, fifth. Our, our, our owner, um, the DOF, uh, all the coaches, all the recruitment people, they've done an incredible job to get us where we are. I've got every faith in them having an, continuing doing an incredible job. Um, that's, that's, that's what sets us apart from, from everyone else. People can take the piss out of us, they can look down their nose at us, they can dribble on us with their fucking spite and their, their, their petty bigotry. But Brentford Football Club are here. We're here to stay, Bill. I'm not sure we get as much hatred and spite as perhaps as you're alluding to there. But I think what, what's definitely the thing for me is that we talk about the transfer window in January and what we did or didn't do. And it's why I said to earlier about you know, Sorensen and, and Roslev and you know, people like that who've stepped in when needed. You know, they're not necessarily first team, first 11, but we were able to get through that window without purchasing by bringing in players in the squad who Frank and the management had the confidence in to bring in and step in. You know, Roslev against Spurs, marking Son out of the game and you just had to watch him the next week where he ripped a new one out of the defence you know, and, he, and, he, and there he is, a young lad coming in, just like he just fitted seamlessly in, and, and and that's happened throughout the team. Players haven't played as many games as others. People like Goddard who step in when you want to slow the game down at the end, and you know, people that aren't necessarily the fans' favourites. Um, the, the squad's amazing, and, and that's the atmosphere that, and the, and the sort of camaraderie and team spirit that we talked about earlier. And that's that's been part of the success, isn't it? It's not about the eleven; it's about the twenty-five or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, we've had injuries and we've had COVID and we've had all sorts and, we, and Sunday should be a massive, massive celebration. I hope every single one of those players that's been a part of the squad um, on and around the bench or in the squad should be absolutely adulated and, is that a word, adulated? Uh, and respected for what they've achieved this season and I'm sure that will happen. And and like I want to say before we, we, we call a day on this, like Brentford fans this season... Uh, they travelled away, uh, packed out away stadiums, week in, week out, everywhere we've gone, and and I, I think it's just been a pleasure, just just to be in the stadiums, full, packed of jubilant Brentford fans most weeks, but I, I, I even even in the darkest moments, I, I I can't I can't remember it really turning. So fair play, raise your glass to yourselves. Anyone that's travelled home or away with Brentford this season, you've done yourselves proud, you've done our club proud. So just quickly, we're just going to go over to Will, the spreadsheet winker, because he's got a little relegation stats breakdown. Will, let us know now what's going down after these two games, the Burnley game and the Everton game that's happened tonight. Spreadsheet winker. 
So let's have a look at the state of play in terms of relegation for Sunday then. With Burnley drawing with Villa, it leaves both Burnley and Leeds on 35 points, but Burnley have the massive advantage of 20 better goal difference at minus 18 than Leeds minus 38. It means they only have to match Leeds' result to stay up. Leeds need to better whatever Burnley do. In any eventuality, if we beat Leeds, then they're down. If we draw, then Leeds are relying on Burnley losing to be safe. Burnley player Newcastle side have created more than one XG in the three out of their four last games and just beat Arsenal comfortably 2-0. Burnley actually have a better XG difference, the XG that they create minus that which they concede, conceding 0.51 more than they can create compared to Burnley conceding 0.45 more than they create in the average game. They're actually next to each other in the XG Justice League with Burnley just slightly ahead. So it could be an even game. Newcastle will be looking to their star men Bruno Guimaraes and Joe Linton to bring the quality against Burnley. It's certainly shaping up to be a fascinating final day. I think you can all guess who I want to go down. Come on, you bees. So listen, guys. We need to wrap this one up now. Leeds United coming to new Griffin Park Sunday. Big game for them. They're going to be really up for it. Brentford, I'd like to think we're up for it, but you never know because we could be on the beach because it doesn't mean that much for us, but obviously we really do want a win. I'm going to go around the table and get a score prediction from the characters. The Dutchman. 3-0 Brentford. Wow. The Laney men. 3-0 Brentford. Wow. And I'm going to go for a nervy 1-0 the mighty mighty bees sorry why is that nervy because it'll be one nil and uh, well I don't know I'll just be very nervous because we haven't actually well it's nervy anyway we go on but anyway this is <laughs> this is the besotted pride of West London podcast we come to you from the globe here tonight we've had a great evening it's nice to come out here last podcast or last league podcast of the season for me as long as I get there on Saturday I'm keeping uh, touch with it here uh, I will have made every single game this season, league match, cup match and everything else like that. But I'm not saying anything yet until I actually make it the game because I'm at a party in Bedford on Saturday night and I need to get here on Sunday morning and get actually into the ground. So fingers crossed that'll be it. I'll have done my second 100% season ever and it'll be definitely my last 100% season. I ain't doing this again. I can tell you that much, So, which is all good. So listen... Thank you, everybody else, for listening to us. It's been really great this season. The amount of people that come up to us, it's been really, really heartwarming. And thank you for just listening to us, supporting to us. Don't forget to subscribe on all podcast channels. We'll be having podcasts through the summer in some capacity as well. So don't forget to write us a review as well. Thank you for the people that have bought us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. We've also got a Rob Rowan fan that's been running, actually, because what we've been doing is sorting tickets out for people. And like when we get these tickets sorted out, then we ask people to donate to the Rob Rowan Fund, which is besotted.com forward slash heart. So if you want to go and donate to that as well too, that would be really great if you donate to that as well. But other than that, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to coming on Sunday, meeting up with my mates. I'm coming down from Bedford very early. I'm getting to the pub very early. I'm going to be leaving the pub very, very late. I'm going to be having quite a lot of beers. I'm going to be watching a lot of football. I'm going to be excited. If we win, I'm happy. If I lose, we're happy. I don't really care because we're in the Premier League next season. And this, honestly, trust me, we're Brentford. Little Brentford. Yes, it might be a badge of honour of us, but I don't care. we Accrington, Stanley and... Halifax and all these other places but we're going to raise our glasses to the mighty mighty bees and all the bees fans out there we've made this season really great cheers 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 as we say yeah as we say
Come on, you bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.